1: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. And today I got a special show for you. I am sitting down with somebody very special, somebody that I'm excited to talk to, someone I know you're going to be excited to talk to, that continues to talk about how the world is changing, as I like to talk about through the decentralized revolution. Um, But he talks about it from a place of comedy, Uh, from a place of humor because if we can't laugh at ourselves what can we even do and so one of the best ways to break these things down is to poke fun at them and so i'm talking about jp sears Uh, you might know him from his wonderful sketches on uh youtube and so we are going to talk about freedom we're going to talk about why he's doing what he's doing how he uses comedy to expose things we're going to talk about the world economic forum we're going to talk about bitcoin we're going to talk about so many things let's just go ahead and just jump right into the interview with jp
3: the content uh, is only one part of what I do. I mean, I am <laughs> I have multiple businesses. I'm an advisor for, uh, for an for a investment fund. I'm uh, Started just another investment fund. I have all my personal investments. I have kids. I mean, I have all this other stuff. Um, and a lot of times I just ask myself, like, why Why am I doing this? I have to yeah. kind of go back to that. Well, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. So why is that that you keep doing this and putting that much time into it, when you could certainly do two videos a week instead of five.
4: Yeah, you know, uh, I think for me it's it's a passion for the message of sovereignty, critical thinking, and ultimately freedom. And there's obviously so much opposition in the world against that. So I think being very mission-focused, it's the most motivating, energizing thing, way more energizing than caffeine, for example. So there's just like that natural energy to do a lot. And it's also pretty rewarding and I mean, extremely rewarding and fulfilling just out of like a sense of I'm contributing to the greater good, which to me makes all the hard work and massive amount of time worth it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way. So, so what is the mission?
4: Yeah. In a word, the mission is freedom. To,
3: to spread it? To spread the ideas?
4: Yeah, spread the ideas, and I think uh, a wise man, Ram Dass, once said, you can't get out of a jail you don't know you're in, mm-hmm. and there's so much anti-freedom, tyranny, authoritarianism in the world that's all packaged in the wrapping paper of gaslighting, saying like, hey, we're trying to save democracy by banning free speech. Yeah. So. The- <laughs> But because there's so much opposition in the world trying to take freedoms and knowing about history, like this is not the first time it happens, and we see where it will go if we allow it. So I think we're living in a very critical time in history, which just makes the mission of freedom internally and externally externally like obviously our social our national policies let's let the constitution actually continue to exist that's important but also i don't think we can have external freedom if we don't also have internal freedom of helping people be in touch with their own critical thinking um as well as people having the courage to act on what actually they think is true as well as what feels true in their heart. Yeah. So there's just, because we're at that critical time in history, I think it's really important to go all in. And, you know, I look forward to the day, hopefully soon, where it's like, oh, you know, freedom's not like, as in jeopardy as it is now. It's relatively good. We don't want to take it for granted again. Yeah. But I look forward to the day where it's like, dude, I don't think we need to make that much content anymore. Yeah. And now we have or to- could talk about other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's, or for me, comedy world, like let's come up with a funny video about coconut oil or just something yeah. stupid and frivolous like that rather than kind of like the life and death scenario of freedom is in the ballast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and what about using comedy for that? So,
3: um, in preparing for this, we were looking at some of the things that you've been talking about, um, and you talk a lot about things that I don't want to talk about right now because I'm going to put this on YouTube and I don't want to get my <laughs> things taken down. I can't imagine what those things uh, could be, Mark. <laughs> uh, they had to do with uh, medicine and uh, you know those types of things. But and Cough like you,
4: syrup, yes. Yeah,
3: cough syrup, right? <laughs> uh, corona beer yes yeah will talk about alcohol um but you get away
4: with a lot of stuff because of the comedy yeah. side do you think it's because the algorithms don't pick that up i i do i i think there's a couple components to it one is the algorithms they however they're programmed i don't think they're programmed to pick up satire and when I, like my we all have love languages we've probably heard about them like physical touch yeah. gifts words of affirmation I think we also have humor languages. Some people like slapstick humor, some Mm. people like goofy, some people like raunchy. But satire is my natural humor language. So when you're being satirical, like you can. This is like
3: sarcastic.
4: Absolutely. So it's all in the tone of voice, the delivery, and the context. So if you read this script from one of my satirical news videos that I do, Take out the body language, the tonality, and the context. You're just reading the script, you'd be like, oh, he's just literally saying the narrative. Right. We approve of this. Right. So I think that AI it's reading words. It's not reading the human artistic elements. I'd imagine they're working on that. But I think that's a, speaking the comedy language of satire helps dance through the raindrops of censorship. I also think you know me knowing what are the hot buttons that will get you deplatformed real quick talking about medicines in yeah. a way that's against the narrative so the language of comedy helps open up other doors of expression so using metaphors and analogies even acting out metaphors like um did you by chance see the video I did on life jackets being yeah, mandated yeah great yeah the video wasn't about life jackets. Sure. We can use our imagination of what it was about. So, if I don't wear my life jacket, then how, you, you're, you know, how do I keep you from drowning? Absolutely, yeah. and these life jackets are proven to be safe and effective. Right. Uh, people are drowning all the time. Some of the life jackets actually sink <laughs> to the bottom, but we're we're not going to talk about that. Right. So, uh, you know, unlike yourself, where, you know, I, I think the state of the world, people who are into retaining their freedom, sovereignty, living as a decentralized person. I look at people like you and I and others who are speaking their messages in different ways. We're all playing in a symphony. We're playing different instruments. You know, you're playing the instrument, you speak just amazing cutting edge information in a literal way. I'm speaking it in a comedic way. So we're playing different instruments, right. but we're playing the same song. Yeah. And I think we need all the instruments, and uh, God help us, if comedy was the only instrument, we need them all. And there's advantages to playing your instrument, advantages for playing mine. And I think when it comes to censorship, the language of comedy really helps open up doors where I have liberties with censorship that maybe you don't, where mm-hmm. you have to be extra careful or it's like, crap, I can't even cover this topic. Yeah. But I can throw on a life jacket, act out this metaphor, and I know it will connect with pe- what people have in mind and yeah. they'll know what it's about, even though I'm not ever saying the thing that it's about. So, Have you been getting strikes or warnings? Uh, let's see, I got, uh, this was fun, on my... Second YouTube channel, it's called JP Reacts, where I'm doing more commentary. So it's much more straightforward, literal stuff. Yeah. That instrument, I I made a video about um, uh, our good friend from Microsoft, the world's best doctor with no medical training, no no degree either. Yeah. Bill Gates and and I compiled these clips of him. Uh, speaking about depopulating the world, and we're going to do that through you know what. Uploaded that video. It wasn't even published. That video got taken down, and uh, not a strike, but a warning mm-hmm. against my channel. It, in my main YouTube channel, uh, I had a strike come at me in January of 2020, which I think was the tensest point we we've had in the past few years you know is between the election and the inauguration everybody's losing their crap so i had a strike on my channel for hate speech Mm. i'm like all right let me look at this video and out of all the videos i published i'm like well this is this is frivolous this there's nothing in there so i repealed it and luckily they granted me the repeal took the strike down and at the time there was a very well orchestrated cancel attempt towards me so it was mm, pretty obvious really? that this group of woke bandits got together simultaneously reported this video yeah. and luckily youtube just saw the facts of the matter of oh, that video's not violating yeah. anything even though their guidelines that are there to be violated are completely frivolous in the first place yeah. they Arbitrary. saw yeah. yeah they saw that video didn't so Luckily, I've been relatively unwounded during this time of heavy censorship. I've I've
3: heard Joe Rogan talk quite a bit about the problems that comedians have these days. Uh, More on the woke culture side or cancel culture side, right? Where you just can't say these things that used to be funny anymore. Right, so um, and as a as a comedian, I mean, you see that as well. I'm guessing.
4: Well, well, I, I see it, but I disagree with Joe Rogan. Okay, this sentiment of comedians can't get away with things. You can't say this or that. Yes, you can. Chappelle certainly does. Chappelle certainly does. The difference between him and a lot of other people, including some other comedians, Chappelle has balls. Yeah, he has what's called courage. I'll never forget the. A uh, comedy club I have performed at a couple times in Philadelphia, the Green Room Wall, there's a big picture of Dave Chappelle. And he signed it, and above his signature, he wrote a little message. Mm. He said, Dear Comedians, you have one job, and that's to speak the truth no matter what. Dave Chappelle does that. It, it, t- it takes courage. So this idea that comedians can't say things... They only can't say things if they consent to the tyranny of intimidation from the woke mob or the narrative. But you absolutely can say anything you want. It just takes courage to know I'm coming from my best discernment of truth. My intentions are in the right spot. Yeah. Will you get hate in it? Yeah, you will. But uh, something I've learned about cancel culture is they can't cancel you unless you consent to it. And part of the consenting process is based in fear where y- you're afraid to lose what they can take away. Yeah, They can take away approval, they can take away you know, uh, audience support, they can sway people to think you're a racist transphobe, all the smears. But if you're not afraid to lose what they can take away, you are uncancelable. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle, I'm not going to ca- compare myself to him because he's probably the greatest to ever live. That man is not afraid to lose anything. He's uncancelable. He's what, like Brett Weinstein would yeah. say, He he's reached a vo- an escape velocity. And that's the point
3: that I wanted to ask you about. He got to a point where he's bigger than the game. He doesn't need the game. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pe- Um, I I listened to Andrew Tate, and he was talking about the difference, he was trying to compare himself and Logan Paul or Jake Paul, or one of those guys, and he said, the difference is I have fans, and he has viewers. Ah. Because he's on YouTube, people watch him. He's like, I have fans, and no matter where I go, those fans will follow. Yeah. And I don't want to go into a whole thing about Andrew Tate, but it just made me think about the difference there, right? And so, like...
4: that's a great distinction. Yeah.
3: Really. If, if uh, Dave Chappelle, like he has fans and those people will follow him, right? Uh, you have fans. People go search you out, right? And so I think maybe that's the difference. And so back to the escape velocity, like do you have to get big enough to a point where you're be- like, like a Joe Rogan? I, uh, I don't listen to all his shows. I, if I see an episode I want, I'll listen to it. Um, but I downloaded Spotify just so I could listen to Joe Rogan. Same. Right? Um, so I followed him. Yeah. I'm and so he's uncancelable. He could go launch his own censorship-resistant platform, and like people would go there.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think when you're at that mega Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, Jordan Peterson status, it's easier to be uncancelable because, like your great distinction, they know they have fans, not just viewers. So they can whatever stream on their own website. They can. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, he he wasn't even on social media until about two years ago, came on Instagram, still never posts there, but he sells out theaters and arenas like that. Yeah, And he's not even on social media, but people find him. So I think it's easier for them, not to say it doesn't take courage for them, because it does, but if you're a a comedian or a commentator and you've got less than 10,000 viewers, it still applies to you. I think it just takes more courage because you're you're a if you allow yourself to be, you're a little more dependent on the machine. The machine of social media, the machine of the powers that be. And granted, like if you're kicked off, you're canceled, that's a pain in the butt. Probably a career setback. Some people wouldn't have the ingenuity to recover from it, but in my opinion, the, the decision to be uncancelable in the name of standing for your truth, it applies to everybody. Yeah. Just a little easier, oh, well, probably a lot easier if you're a megastar.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man.
5: complete terms.
6: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now, I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: You know, when, I, when, when we're listening to that, something I've been talking about quite a bit, and uh, I'd love to get your take on this, is that... Um, truth is being sucked out of the world, right? Like it's it's obviously being censored, it's being changed, and two plus two is five and all yeah. these things. And um, it seems like, uh, you know, like I said, this truth has been under attack. And um, as humans, I don't believe we want to live a lie. Yeah. And uh, But who will stand up and speak the truth? And so you mentioned to Jordan Peterson, you mentioned to Joe Rogan, um, and Andrew Tate, somebody who's willing to stand up and say that a Chappelle who's willing to stand up and say it regardless of what happens seems to be right now shooting higher because like every
1: yes somebody said it
3: yes right and if you look at um the way like movements start like leaders typically are very polarizing yeah because like if you're lukewarm uh, he's kind of okay. I don't hate him. I don't like him that much. Uh, yeah, he's kind of okay, right? But the polarizing people—people people hate them, but people love them.
4: Yeah.
3: And then, hey, I hate Chappelle. People hate him, but also people love him. And then they'll they they'll, they'll pack into theaters, right? So I think um, for for people listening to content creators sitting there talking, I think that's one thing. I I think one. Uh, you said we're all different instruments in an orchestra. So there's everybody should have a voice because there's somebody out there that could resonate with that. It's a different instrument. Yeah. But even more importantly, like, don't be lukewarm, like yeah. be polarizing. Like people hate you, you have a cancel mob against you, um, but also people love you. And so you get both sides of it.
4: Yeah, man, I, I, I so agree with that. And you know, with being polarizing, for me, the main ingredient in that is, be bold and unapologetic with how you see the truth. Polarizing doesn't mean you're, you're raunchy, you're doing things for shock value. I, I think that's like artificially flavored polarizing. Right. Uh, there was uh, my original mentor, Paul Check. I remember being in his office in my early 20s and he had this big picture of Einstein on the wall with an Einstein quote that said, great minds always encounter violent opposition. Mm. Now back in the early 2000s I looked at that I'm like that's a cool quote but I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. Here in the 2020s oh I get it. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, Jordan Peterson encounters violent opposition, but those are the leaders that you mentioned and in the also you mentioned like humans have this natural propensity to seek truth and i i i truly believe that is in our just innate dna nature, nature we seek truth just like the wisdom of animals out in like your backyard you you have deer out there they don't come up and try to eat your grill they don't try to you know eat your chairs they're seeking actual food nutrition that's in their dna that's their programming i seek actual food And to me, truth is food for our mind and probably our whole being. And you can fool us for a while, you can feed us artificially flavored Mm -hmm. garbage processed stuff with such little nutritional value that it actually takes more nutrients out of your body to process that food than it actually delivers. You can fool people for a while. But not forever. Yeah. And, and a lot of people will wake up and go after actual nutritious mind food much earlier. So that's why, you know, it's what I, you know, my stance on freedom, it was never business motivated. Like, hey, I think like standing for freedom, that's going to be a good business move. That wasn't the motivation, but looking at it and some of the examples you mentioned, like a Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, people who speak truth, that is the best thing anyone can do for business because the lukewarm people, what they're really doing, they're in a fear-based mindset of, I'm trying to play it, play it safe. Right. Like I want to appeal
3: to everybody. Yeah. yeah.
4: I like I'll push the edge a little bit. I won't really push it too far. I'll say a little something here, but I'll pull back. Yeah, that's not someone emanating truth. That's someone who's afraid. Therefore, they're trying to play it safe and please the masses rather than being a servant to the truth that yeah. wants to live through them. Yeah,
3: I'm. I'm not. I'm just not naturally a confrontational guy. So uh, you know, I don't get as polarizing or whatever as, as I could be. Um, but it is it is something to think about. And I think back to uh, living the truth. I think. Um, you know, you look at how like these movements started, I talk about the movement, but uh, I'm sure you've seen the video or the the, the viewers have seen this video where like, um, there's like a, a concert like on a lawn section and one person gets up and starts dancing yes. and everyone's like laughing and pointing, look at that idiot kind of a thing, right? And then eventually another person gets up and then like, they're still kind of laughing, not as many, and then a third, and then next thing you know, like everybody's dancing. Yeah. So if one person can get up and defy the censorship and defy cancel culture and stand up and succeed, then look how many more people will be motivated to come and stand up and succeed with that, right?
4: Absolutely. And the the pioneers, we all owe, owe them gratitude. The the first ones to stand up. Like things I'm talking about now. Jordan Peterson was talking about back in 2015 or 16. Yeah. And at the time I'm like, dude, that I don't think that's relevant. And like you're catching all these arrows. He's just way smarter. He saw it yeah. way before I did. He's taken way more arrows, but those of us who follow in his trail yeah will catch arrows but he's the one with the machete hacking through the forest taking the arrows head on yeah and you know likewise speaking a a common truth about really anything whether it's you know, what black lives matter really stands for embezzlement yeah uh, or the the medicines of our time those of us who were speaking to, truth to those things back in 2020, we took a lot more arrows than people who either saw it completely differently or they were just silent. But now, 2023, a lot of them are saying the same things we were saying back in 2020. And good for them. Mm-hmm. Like, none of us are ever the first pioneer, the first one to crash through the wall. Yeah. Um, but when someone does, it makes it a lot easier for those to follow, whether you're in the second wave, third wave, or three years later. Like, yeah. all right, like it's safer to say the actual intelligent things about what's going on now. Yeah. Let me just run this by
1: my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. So what is going
3: on now? (laughs) Um, You you referenced that um, you hope that at one point Maybe it's not so urgent, but it is urgent now, right? And um, you see the urgency, which gives you energy to pour into the mission, which is it gives you energy to, to do this content. So what is going on? Uh, we have the WEF. Uh, they've been meeting this last week. They've been talking about a lot of, a lot of things that they've been talking about, and they just get scarier, maybe. Um, what are some of the things that you see that are so urgent that maybe we could kind of apply pressure back to?
4: Yeah. Well, first off, Mark, I, I think on camera you should admit to your audience that you are a member of the World yeah. Economic Forum.
3: I, uh, <laughs> I I should be. I should join so I could uh, I could be the enemy within.
2: You the become gates. the controlled opposition.
4: Yeah. yeah. You know what's going on from my delusional perspective at a very high level is. There's really an attempt for global domination from people who probably had really wounded childhood experiences, probably didn't feel love, so they're trying to compensate f- for that emptiness with a sense of control. And I think the World Economic Forum seems to be the star on top of that Christmas tree. Very poor analogy, because that stands for something very different, but the, there seems to be a very orchestrated attempt to erode people's freedoms away, install people in governments around the world who will facilitate that under the direction of the very unelected leader, Klaus Schwab. So high level, I think there's a very orchestrated attempt for global control over people And then the fight is for individuals, nations, yes, but at the heart of it, the cellular level, a fight for individuals to retain their sovereignty and their human rights. And of course, the attempt for global control, it's all packaged in lovely sounding wrapping paper. Like, yeah, we're gonna ban fertilizers. To save the climate, yeah, uh, yeah, starve to death, uh, yeah, uh, we see that. Uh, we're not going to talk about that, but the the all we do to f- scare you about the climate, guess what? We also have the solution of that. You know, eat some crickets, not meat. Yeah. So I think part of the control there's deliberate attempts to weaken people mentally and physically. Weakening people mentally has to do with telling them what's true rather than letting them use the muscle of their own critical thinking. Yeah. I think back to the New York Times article that was published on the dangers of critical thinking, weakens people mentally. That's why the narrative is always coming at you 24 seven because the more you just listen to that, that's like leaning on a mental crutch. You're not using your prefrontal cortex doing your own thinking so people get weaker. And then physically, it seems like there's that attempt to weaken people at the physical level is very much there as well where we see propaganda, like James Cameron came out and said, testosterone is a poison. Yeah. I was like, well, That hormone is uh, incredibly natural, yeah. incredibly healthy, and that literally makes you strong. Yeah. And the propaganda about meat is bad, meat's going to cause hurricanes. So we're the FDA cook- came
3: out and said, what, Lucky Charms is uh, more, more uh, healthy than uh, eggs cooked in butter or something like a-
4: absolutely. that? Absolutely. <laughs> so you look at eggs cooked in butter. I eat that for breakfast yeah. almost every day. I eat a lot of meat. These foods that objectively make people stronger are the foods they're trying to scare you about and then eat crickets, eat Lucky Charms. These foods, I don't even know if you call them foods, but these substances that certainly won't make you stronger, but I would say they would actually make you weaker yeah. and sicker. Yeah, Yeah.
3: so um, it's funny, uh, I was thinking about that, uh, don't do your own research, and, and the dumbing down of people, you know, and um, at the same time they're saying we have to save democracy to save democracy to save democracy, <laughs> so, so democracy would be everybody gets a voice, which let's just be clear, the, US is, the United States was founded as a republic, not a democracy. They're saying the democracy because they want to change the narrative. We're not a democracy, so I want to be clear on that. Uh, But they want to say, save the democracy, which means everybody gets a voice, and then it would be the will of the people, but people are dumb. And they're telling people not to do their research. Well, if they're telling people not to do their research, then why would we care about their opinion? Yeah. Right? Uh,
4: And not to mention, like in our democracy, everybody has a voice, like you mentioned yet we're banning speech left and right, obviously censorship. And then, um, I forget the lady's name, but at the uh, beautiful meeting in Davos this week, there was a lady in the European Union who said, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the freedom of press in the U.S., that's not going to be long-lived because the dangers, uh, there's so much hate speech, and... So, in other words, taking away the voice of the people in order to promote democracy, which gives everybody a voice, it is just gaslighting. It's 1984 speak. Yeah. Whatever they say, they're actually doing the opposite. Yeah. Which, by the way, our First Amendment not only gives us the right to free speech, but also specifically the right to freedom of press. Yeah. And here's this European Union lady, not an American, not... An elected representative in America talking about how uh, the US will uh, put the clamps on freedom of press.
3: How dare anybody say anything mean ever again, ever again, and it's just the the ridiculousness of that. (laughs) The gaslighting, too, you know, when you look at the definition of gaslighting, I mean, it's a form of psychological warfare or torture against somebody, and I think a lot of this also. It's uh, meant to demoralize, mm. right? Um, I'm sure you see it a lot. I see it a lot um, on my co- uh, comments, uh, if, if you go through your comments. Um, but I see these comments of people are like, "What? What? We have no chance. We have no choice. Why should I even bother? Yeah. Um, what, what, there's nothing we can do." And I constantly see that, you know. And 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 the demoralization has worked. Yeah. Um, I've started. You know, I talk a lot of. You do a more lighthearted kind of way. Um, a lot of the stuff I talk about, same topics, but it's, it's more matter of fact, so it's heavy. Um, and then it's too much doom and gloom all the time. And I try to like really kind of pivot back to, and we're gonna pivot back to some hope in this, um, but pivot back to some hope. Like, look, things are bad. I believe we can win if we do the hard work. And I believe that for my kids and, and, and future generations, there's hope and prosperity. And uh, just when I landed here in Austin, um, I looked at a couple comments that came through on, I syndicate my videos out to channels where they don't get censored, so not just YouTube. So they go to um, like Odyssey and BitChute and Rumble and stuff like that. And I had a couple comments, and one said, um, hope and prosperity? What a buffoon. I'm an idiot for thinking that there could be hope and prosperity in the future apparently. Another person said, there's no chance of hope. The Fed has all the control. The central bankers are going to, like I saw a couple of those comments come in and I'm just like, maybe that's indicative of that audience that's on BitChute. <laughs> mm. like, uh,
4: but I'm just like, man, people are so demoralized. Yeah, and, and I, I can empathize with that. Like there's a lot of screwed up stuff going on in the world. A lot of unjust stuff going on. So I understand why someone can be demoralized however the uh, spoiler alert that a demoralized person probably doesn't want to hear because they're sitting there. They probably agree with a lot of what you and I might say as far as the perspectives of what's going on in the world, but they sit there and have this message of, but we're hopeless. What well, those people probably don't know, but they need to understand is they are being controlled by the tyrants. You know, that's, that belief that we're hopeless That's exactly their point. Mm -hmm. That's exactly where they want you to be. So you've entered the frame of the authoritarians the moment you actually believe we are hopeless. I personally have tremendous hope. Mm -hmm. You you look at cycles throughout history, and sometimes the tyrants do some really tyrannical stuff, taken to the nth degree, but a lot of times freedom wins. You look at Hitler. He, his reign was, I mean, he took it a long ways, but Hitler did not win. You look at the brave people in 1776 in the American Revolution, they won against a very tyrannical regime who, by all rights, they should have won. And, and I think. And there's a thousand more examples. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, I'll have moments of demoralization. I won't pretend like I don't. Luckily, they're just moments. They're not hours or days, they're moments. And in those moments, I'll look at the measurables. Okay, the authoritarians, tyrants, the WEF, all the Chinese Communist Party, the Biden regime, they control governments. They control trillions of dollars. They control all the mainstream media. They control big tech. We can Politicians. Politicians. Yeah. Yeah. We can't compete with that. What do we have? Then I start to remember, oh, we have two things. We have a massive amount of more people, and we have God on our side. And I'm not a religious scholar. Uh, I do believe in a higher power who I believe stands for truth. I think truth is based on the higher power. I think that is ultimate freedom. So evil people, and my definition of evil, just so I don't sound abstract, is anyone who tries to control another person in a way that's not in their best interest. Evil people don't have God on their side, we do. Evil people don't have the masses on their side, we do. So we have things that are so powerful that they're beyond measure, largely. Everything that authoritarians have, they're not unpowerful, but they're powerless enough that you can measure them quantitatively like oh how much money do they control what are the governments yeah. they control what's the media they control so i have tremendous hope yeah and you know you can be the most well-resourced person you can be the most well-resourced group mentally physically capability wise but if you don't have hope your resources are useless and you you have lost before you even started the game yeah. in my opinion
5: yeah
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
5: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: There was a line from Star Wars, and it's something about uh, rebellions are built on hope. Mm. And so, um, yeah, what uh, revolution will ever happen? Who will ever stand up if they don't have hope that they can succeed? Who would start a business if they don't have hope they could succeed? Who would have a family if they would, right? I mean, without hope you're dead, right? The people perish, I think the Bible says.
0: Absolutely. um, Without
3: hope the people perish. Um, Yeah, the other thing I would add to that, and I agree with those things, another thing I would add that we have on our side is that their plans do not work. Yeah. And we know this because Sri Lanka was the 98 out of 100 ESG score. And look what happened in Sri Lanka. And so every time these types of uh, central planning, control policies, fiat money experiments, every time they've been applied and let run their course, they fail. Yeah. And so uh, ultimately, if we just leave them alone long enough, they'll fall on, their, fall on their own. Nietzsche says, that which is falling shall ye also push. Mm. So then I like to also push back a little bit, right? Yeah. So. Um, You have hope, which gives you uh, some energy and strength and motivation to do something. So where do you see some uh, places that we can kind
4: of push back for those that are feeling demoralized? Yeah, you know, uh, I think the greatest, there's many places, but I think the greatest pushback is taking sovereignty over our own lives. And and I'll throw out the, the term become decentralized in many senses of the word the more you're decentralized as far as thinking. Cool, now you are not dependent on the narrative. You are not outsourcing your information. You are a decentralized free thinker. You gotta start there. Become decentralized with your, you grow some of your own food. It sounds sort of minuscule, but it's huge because if you're dependent on the centralized food systems, you will be dependent on the people controlling those you'll literally be enslaved unless you're willing to, be, to starve to death, become decentralized with finance. That's the reason why I'm such a big fan of Bitcoin. So I think uh, how to become decentralized in all the ways it comes down to self-responsibility. Centralization is all based on someone else's responsibility. You do it for me, you produce the food, I'll go to the store and buy it. Uh, cool, you do, you fed, you run the monetary system. Cool, I'll just participate in that. Um, you, you tell me what's going on in the world, I'll just hear it and believe it. Raise my kids for me, take care of my education, give me health care. Absolutely. And there's not self responsibility in there, very little amounts of it. But self responsibility, I think it's the greatest superpower of our time. And it's uncomfortable because it takes work, it takes effort, it takes mental energy to become more and more self-responsible, yet the more self-responsible you are, truly the more decentralized you are. You're not, a, you're not contributing to the momentum of what's wrong in the world, you're taking your kinetic energy out of that and putting it into your own life mm-hmm. and probably the community around you, which is, I think, a much better place for our kinetic and mental energy to be energizing. So become independent, um, which means you're not depending on
3: somebody else for all of those things. So um, being healthy and strong, then I don't have to depend as much on the medical system because I can, my my body's healthy, right? Uh, My money with Bitcoin, I can store it on my own, nobody can manipulate it. Um, Whether I, and then even having money, even having money, because then money gives us options. So then I can grow some of my food, I can buy food from other farmers, we could trade co-op. So ways to become more independent, I guess, is kind of what you're thinking. And then, and then taking care of yourself first, um, and then becoming that example, because then other people see that example and then they want to join in.
4: Uh, I 100% agree with that. And, and I think when it comes to be, becoming independent, I think the best place to start is exactly where we're at, And then take one step forward because someone could like look at you like oh mark you you bought a ranch that's like an incredible mark of independence you've got land you can grow your own food you've got probably some major investments so there's a degree of financial independence there mark that's 50 steps from where i'm at so I'm hopeless, yeah. that works for you. Yeah. No, 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 it's a continuum. So wherever you're at, whether you're making 16 grand a year or $16 million a year, no matter what you have, you can take the next step of independence. And you know, my first step of independence was super small, but it was my first step. I remember uh, back December 2020, I'm like, dude, I don't know, the poop might hit the fan, so I ordered a 60-day supply of non-perishable food from, yeah. I think it was MyPatriotSupply.com. That's not the end-all be-all, but that was my first step. Mm-hmm. Second step, I, I bought my first firearm. So these are little steps that are helping take me where I want to go within my current financial means, and everybody considers what's my current financial means, but there's no excuse. We can take more steps. and. Taking one step towards independence—that is, that's a great improvement. Yeah. Once you're there, you can assess what's your next step.
3: Yeah, and and uh, to your point, and I've, I, I made a couple of videos about this ranch, and I got the comments, "Oh, that's easy for you. You're rich. I don't have any money." Blah blah blah. But um, to your point, uh, what's your own health like? Yeah. Is your health? Are you healthy? Because that's a step that you could certainly take, right?
4: Yeah, getting into the gym—that is a mark of yeah. independence, or you. Push-ups. That's the mark of independence and, for uh, sure.
3: What about your um, education? Like your, as you mentioned, new sources and things like that. Are you affecting? Are you changing your news sources? Like you can do that. And then you know, uh, then the the step. Like, do you have uh, thirty days worth of savings, right? And if not, maybe you need to learn a new skill so you can make some more money. Yeah. And then you know, have you ordered some uh, fr- uh, frozen food or, or uh, some MREs or whatever, right? And and then you know, as far as the ranch, like. Um, I've had a hard time out here um, finding good, like ranch hand help, yeah. you know, and uh, someone could easily come and say, Hey Mark, I'll run your garden for you and grow a greenhouse and manage all your animals. And like, give me ownership of some of the fruit of my labor, the crops and the animals. I'm like, I would gladly do that. Yeah. And so those options are available so you can work your way to this. It doesn't ha- you don't need to have 16 million. As you said, you could have 16,000 and uh, you could just co-op, Hey, I'll do this for you. We share this. It's capitalism. Absolutely. Um, so there's things people can do.
4: Yeah. And, and doing those things that I love how you mentioned, like be creative and like, hey, if you had someone approach you to be a ranch hand, get a little share of the food that's produced, that's creative. And, and that takes initiative and self-responsibility because guess what? The The government doesn't have a Online system that makes it easy to like, oh, I want to volunteer as a ranch hand and no That's on you and just with a little creativity. You can find a lot of ways to improve your independence
3: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't you don't need to have money and 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 then each step leads to the next step. So then it builds, right? So, Good stuff. Um, You've, uh, so you've gone step after step after step, uh, starting with your MREs, and now you have a ranch, and now you're building that out. I saw you so, um, say something about, um, in one of your videos, you, and maybe it was an off-the-cuff comment, but you said uh, free-range kids. Yeah. So uh, what, what is a free-range kids?
4: Yeah, well, first you have to think, what is the cage? What is the factory farm that children are oftentimes stuck in? I think public school system would probably be part of that, Um, controlled thinking could be a part of that, TV is part of the cage, but also physical constraints, you know, the, the house we used to live in had a nice backyard, but it was really small. And now being very blessed to live on a ranch. I see my little boy just watching him. That's where the term came from. I was just observing it like, oh, he is a free range kid, which means uh, the, the child is naturally expressing its true nature. He's, he's running up to the trees. He can, you know, the big yard, it's all fenced in. So he can just roam. He's in the dirt. Doing what a child is meant to do, and we don't have him stuck in front of the TV, caging in his mind, uh, relying on something else for entertainment. That's getting to—he's learning to generate his own entertainment out of his own being, mm-hmm. curiosity, creativity. So that—that's basically yeah. what I mean. I by love Free that range kids. That's why I wanted to
3: bring it up. I think it's so important. And so again, um, you mentioned before that uh, maybe maybe we have to fight for freedom more now than we have before. Um, I'm I'm constantly using a quote from Ronald Reagan. He says that freedom is never more than one generation away from being taken. It's, it wasn't passed to us in the bloodline, but it must be fought for by every single generation. And so um, I think about that, the kids, it's all about the kids, right? Like I'm pouring back into the kids and Uh, making sure that they grow up the right way, making sure that they understand what's at stake so they can continue to fight for freedom. Because if we don't pass that down to them, then it's lost right there. And um, back to kind of what we were just talking about, um, good job, JP, you're so rich you can live on a ranch, but I'm stuck in an apartment in a city. What am I gonna do? Well, we have parks. You could get on a bus and get out out of town and, uh, or, you know, out in the city suburb and like let them run around in a park or like yeah. hiking trails. Like I mean, everyone has these types of options.
4: Yeah, it's just where are you at and what's the next best option, not fifty options from now. You know, a walk outside on the sidewalk that's way more free range than living room TV. It's maybe not the exact ideal true nature expression of a kid walking straight forward on the sidewalk, but it's way better than being in front of the TV. Yeah. Or like the ne- next episode of the sidewalk, we're going to go a few blocks or a couple miles to the park where it's like m- much more three-dimensional for the child mm-hmm. to express. So yeah, yeah it, the only thing that can stop us from taking steps is us and our own excuses if we believe what our lower self thinks.
3: Yeah. And, uh, I think maybe to kind of, kind of wrap this up and kind of put this message of hope, kind of going back to what you said, like we have the masses, we have God on our side, you know, their plans. I said, I injected the plans don't uh, will fail, but really I I love your message of kind of like empowering yourself and becoming decentralized first and fixing yourself first. And another thing I was kind of thinking about is we, we have the masses, we have the power, but, um, we have the power because uh, at the end of the day, um, Klaus Schwab wants to promote this like public private partnership which is uh, fascism or corporatism right governments and, and corporations working together. but corporations actually serve people. Yeah. they need us to buy their products. I saw today this morning I was looking through the news headlines and uh, there's like another big uh, um, boycott or uh, walkout happening, you know, and it's like the people can just not go work there and the people can just not buy those products and so I think there's massive hope there. so, uh what uh what is your kind of message of hope and your closing words here that we have for everybody
4: words from oscar wilder which i love first off oscar wilder says life is too important to take seriously hmm. so th- those of people who are freedom lovers they're taking action if you do that and you're just serious all the time, seriousness, it's, it's a symptom of fear. You, you, you only take things seriously when there's an element of fear. Now, I do that, I take things seriously. But if you're only doing that, you have to realize you're not living in a state of love, you're not living in a state of hope, you're living in a state of fear. Granted, could be well-intentioned fear, but Oscar Wilder's words, life is too important to take seriously. So we, for me, I always need the reminder, looking at, around what's going on in the world and like, oh my God, there's some heavy stuff going on, but also not take it too seriously. That levity, I think, helps, uh, helps l- let hope rise to the surface a little easier. Another common denominator I found between hopeless people and people filled with hope. Those who don't take action and contribute to the betterment of their lives and contribute to the betterment of lives around people, the inaction breeds hopelessness. Mm. But when you're taking action consistently, doesn't matter if it's small, it's like, dude, this is, I'm raising my children in a freeway. Nobody else is gonna see it, but that's what I'm doing or you're Mark Moss, you're putting out great content every week, reaching a lot of people, or you're anywhere in between, taking action consistently, many of those people are way more filled with hope. Why? Because they're literally becoming the change they want to see in the world. But if you're never doing anything, you have no evidence Mm -hmm. that something can change because you're not contributing to change. So people who are contributing, way more hopeful. So if you feel hopeless, you have to ask, what action can I start taking consistently? Because that, in my opinion, more powerfully than anything else, not perspective or other information, but action consistently will help take your needle from hopeless to hopeful. Mm, I love it. Perfect way to end it too.
3: I say action leads to clarity. So um, if you don't know what action to take, Just take any action. If you don't know, so just start doing something. Just eat a little better, sleep a little more, talk to your kids a little more. I mean, just anything.
4: Yeah, even just being more honest with your perspectives. You know, we talked earlier about the people who are uh, just kind of playing it safe and they're a little bit vanilla. It's... Don't be that. Like even like you're in the coffee shops, you run into a stranger. They bring up some shirts like that, <laughs> pissing on the liberty of tyrants or uh, pissing on the dreams of tyrants yeah. with my liberty. But even just letting your your words s- still be respectful, but let your words just come from a place of truth rather than playing it safe and I'm afraid to offend people. That's a great contribution action yeah. to take.
3: Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, cool, uh, anything you want to bring attention to, some of your shows or anything that you're working on?
4: Oh, man, uh, as much as I love to be self-serving and promotion, you know, nothing special, but uh, for anybody who wants to get in touch with me, you can check out my website, awakenwithjp.com. Uh, there's my line of freedom merch with things like pissing Wearing, on...
3: wearing those shirts is doing something, because you'll spark some, you'll spark something.
4: That's my intention, that's why I created the Freedom Line of Shirts because it's like, uh, this is a thought of mine, it's honest, and if it can get in touch with at least one other person and help them unlock their permission to say like, oh, that's what I think, and maybe now I can say it too because I saw it modeled by someone else. So anyway, you can check out my website, awakewithjp.com if you'd like to get in touch with me or check out anything I offer. And we'll link it all in the notes. Thanks, JP. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you, brother.
3: All right, that's a wrap. Hopefully you enjoyed this interview with um, JP Sears and you saw a different side of him. He's well-known for his comedy. Here is a more serious side. You can see his passion and what his mission is. We're going to link to his stuff down below. Don't forget to give him a follow. He's a freedom fighter. He's a truth teller, and he's doing his part to save the world. And hopefully you are as well, and I'd love to hear about it. And that's what I got. Thanks for listening. To your success, I'm out.